Hello and welcome to the eighth episode of the Batflip Crazy Podcast, where we are all about enthusiastic data-driven fantasy baseball analysis. Is that even possible to be both enthusiastic and data-driven? I guess we are about to find out. I am your host, Toby. I'm super excited about the podcast today. Uh, at the beginning, we'll be covering two players, Max Kepler and Nick Pavetta. And why I'm really excited about today's episode is that we're going to be sharing one of my favorite tools, probably my favorite tool in fantasy baseball that I use, which is rolling average graphs on fan graphs. For this episode, we'll focus only on uh, hitters and how I use uh, fan graph um, rolling average graphs to identify you know, potential impact hitters, look at trends, things of that nature. So um, hopefully you will enjoy that and find it helpful. You can find the podcast on iTunes and other podcast platforms. The podcast is new. Um, we hope you like it a lot. We try to pro provide some in-depth analysis that's helpful to you and your fantasy leagues. So please go to iTunes, give us a five-star rating, write a nice review, and you'll make me very happy. Um, speaking of which, I just wanted to give a shout-out and a thank you to all the listeners out there. Um, we already have 21 five-star ratings on iTunes, and that includes eight super thoughtful reviews. Um, just some really kind words that folks are saying about the podcast, which really makes um, all of this worthwhile. So just a, a special thank you there. You can follow me on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy, and the blog is BatFlipCrazy.com. Let's get this party started. <laughs> First up on the podcast, we are going to take a look at Max Kepler um, of the Minnesota Twins. One of the reasons why I'm focusing on uh, Kepler, I have um, on Fangraphs, I have a customized leaderboard that I take a look at. And I'm always looking at a O swing percentage, um, you know, first. So guys who have strong plate discipline, good approach to the plate. And Kepler really jumped, jumped out. Um, recently, his O swing is down at 17.1% over his last 14 games. And he's doing something I love. Like the thing that I love the most that a, that a hitter does, at least most hitters, is have a very low O-swing percentage, a high Z contact, so in-zone contact, and then a, above 40% hard hit rate and fly ball percentage. That tells me that right there is, is the perfect approach, at least for somebody who is going to hit for, for some power. And Kepler really jumped out at me for that reason. Over the last 14 games, he's got a 17.1% O swing percentage, a 91.2% uh, Z contact, and 43.9% uh, hard hit rate and fly ball percentage. So he's doing well above average in all four of those pieces. But let's take a step back. So over the, over the season, uh, Kepler... Uh, in 347 plate appearances, he's hitting 231 with 41 runs, 10 home runs, and 34 RBIs. Um, he's also stolen three bases. Last year, he stole six, so uh, three looks about, um, about right for him. 
His walk percentage is up uh, about 3% from last year, up to 11% this year, and he's cut his K uh, rate down to 15.3%, which is well below the league average, which is about 23, 24% um, these days. Um, so when we take a look at the skills, the skills are all solid. So his O swing for the full season is 25.2%. If we remember about 30% is league average, so he's well below that, which is, shows that he's got strong, uh, solid plate discipline. His Z contact is at 90.8%. 85.5% is league average, so he's well above that as well. His fly ball percentage is, is, is high at 46.1%, and his hard hit rate is at 38.7%, which again, about 3 to 4% above average. Um, his fly ball percent is, percent is about 10% um, or so above league average. Now that fly ball percentage is something to key in on because while we like to see a high fly ball percentage, sometimes people can, players can go a little overkill and have too, too many fly balls, now for Kapler, um, you know this. Um, you know when we look a little closer, when we look at X stats, um, we'll see that this this has been an issue for him this year. But if you look at the overall skill profile, you know it's it's a pretty nice skill profile there. You got above average contact, quality contact, hitting the ball in the air. He does have a low line drive percentage, which is pretty consistent throughout his career of sixteen point four percent. So that's going to really limit, you know, the upside on his BABIP, which we see is at 248 this year, which is, um, which is really low. Um, all right, so that's uh, a little bit about his skill profile, batted ball profile. You know, pretty solid overall. Maybe some concerns with the uh, batted ball profile there. Now, when we hop into X stats. Um, what we'll see for Kapler is that he is underperforming X stats um, a little bit. He's hitting 231, which is 19 points under his expected average of 250. And you can see that's there. It's pretty much Babbitt driven. He's got a 248 Babbitt. Uh, X stats has him uh, expecting uh, 270 as his expected Babbitt. His 10 home runs this year align pretty closely with that 10.6% or 10.6 expected home runs, so he's earning that power. Now, the batted ball profile that I mentioned before, um, we can kind of see where he's going a little overkill on the fly balls. Now, what we want to see in the increase in fly balls is an increase in the hard drive rate, which is those high line drives, low fly balls that generate a lot of extra base hits and a lot of power. Now, he's got that. He's actually got a 3% increase. He's above average now at 12.1%, which is exactly 1% above league average of 11.1% for hard drives. And that's a 3% gain from last year. So that's solid. But what we see is that he continues to have issues with pop-ups. Now, pop-ups are the worst type of batted ball as a hitter that you can have because they're nearly automatic outs. They fall for hits about, um, it's either, it's about, I think it's 2% of the time they fall for hits. So these are, you know, essentially automatic outs. You might as well be striking out. Now, 23.4% of his batted balls are pop-ups, which is about 4.5% four, four above league average of 17.9%. Now, 4% may not sound like a ton, but if you think about it, that is 40 points on your batting average, right? That's the difference between a, a, a batter hitting 
you know, 280 versus, um, versus 240. And so, um, you know, not, not exactly right. Cause you got to take into consideration strikeouts and things like that. But in terms of batted ball, that is, that is going to be a, um, you know, a significant, uh, difference and a hindrance to his batting average. So what we want to look for is him having a lower launch angle, getting those more of those high drives, line drives, things that really drive your BABIP if we want to see him improve. He's also seen a close to 6% increase in his fly ball rate, which is good as long as he's hitting those fly balls hard, right? Um, if they're not, if he's not hitting those fly balls hard, you know, even if they're at decent launch angles, a lot of times they're going to be caught. If he is hitting them hard, a lot of times those fly balls can also go for extra base hits, not home runs as often because they're not hit as hard um, as you need to be to get out of the ballpark, but sometimes they do um, end up leaving the yard. So you can kind of see there, um, <clears throat> we see Kepler shifting, you know, a lot of his batted balls from, you know, ground balls, dribblers, and line drives into these kind of higher launch angles, which can be good and can be bad. And we see the impact that that is having on his, um, uh, on his BABIP. So, you know, and that really highlights why it's so important to kind of dig a little bit deeper into the batted ball profile of a player, right? X stats will tell us, you know, whether those fly balls are good fly balls or bad fly balls, that 46%. And what we're seeing is there's quite a few bad ones, but more good ones as well. So positives and negatives uh, there. When we look at his average launch angle, it is down a little bit over his last two weeks when we really see this kind of concentrated improvement in skills. It's down to 14.4 degrees, um, which over the course of the season, it's at 15.6 degrees. So um, lowering that launch angle is, is going to be a good thing. We also see that his line drive rate has increased a little bit to above 17% recently, which is a really good um, sign uh, for him because he's hitting more line drives as opposed to fly balls since that fly ball percentage is down a little bit. That's where we want him to be at. Um, and you can really see that reflected in his expected WOBA. His expected WOBA over the last 14 days is 344, so about 24 points above league average. But over the last seven days, it's at 449, which is awesome. Um, and then if you look at last 14 game skills, we talked a little bit, uh, I talked about that earlier, but you know, 17.1% O swing. So awesome elite plate discipline. Z contact of 91.2%, again, extremely good. And then those really solid 43.9% hard hit rate and, and fly ball percentage. You know, Kepler's gonna be getting a lot of time. Um, he's been doing better recently in terms of his outcomes, but his fantasy owners may not have noticed. So if you're looking for like in deeper leagues, a sneaky guy, somebody who you might be able to get in on, on the cheap or you might be able to get tossed into a deal, um, to make it a little bit more fair, he might be a guy that you'd want to target in that instance if he isn't on the waiver wire. If he is on the waiver wire and there's some good matchups that the Twins have, you may um, want to look at him there. So one also thing to note about um, Kepler is that, or Kepler is that his um, his platoon splits. He's always had pretty bad. Um, uh, you know, pretty bad average against lefties for his career, but this year he's actually hitting 275 
against lefties versus 212 against righties. And so, you know, it's small sample, obviously, so things can change. But that that's good because what we've seen recently is that Kepler is getting every day at bats um, for the Twins, which is awesome. And with them probably trading a couple parts maybe here, um, you know, we also may be looking at, um, you know, him getting uh, some at bats in the uh, in the heart of the heart of the Twins lineup more and more. Um, recently, he's actually been hitting uh, he's been hitting cleanup actually for the last ten or so games. Um, so that's another reason to like Kepler uh, going forward. So just to review, uh, Max Kepler, you know, he's a guy who the skills are pointing towards some improved outcomes on the horizon. He has solid skills overall, but we've really, where we really are seeing a difference recently is in that, um, is in that plate discipline really becoming elite. And with that fly ball percentage decreasing a little bit, adding some line drives, getting that launch angle down a little bit, which could bode um, really well for him uh, here in the second half. All right, that is it for Kepler. Uh, next up, we're going to cover Nick Pavetta. Next up, we are going to cover Nick Pavetta, who, if you were following my Twitter feed today, or actually, it's yesterday now, uh, recording this, um, on in the very early morning of uh, of the of Friday, um, if you had been following, I had been doing kind of a tracking of of his the four, his usage of the four seam fastball. So I'll explain a little bit why I've been tracking that so um, closely. But before I get into that, I just wanted to add um, two pieces to um, the Max Kepler analysis, and that was I had mentioned the importance of him uh, driving the ball. Um, when he hits it in the air. And so he actually, this year, has a 34.8% hard hit fly ball rate, which is actually below league average, which is around 38%. Um, so that's, um, you know, uh, not necessarily great, but he is hitting it harder recently. So in July, it's up to 45.5%, which is great to see. And in some good news, too, his barrel rate this year is at 5.2%, which is, uh, it's, it's okay, but it's much better than last year's 2.8%. So he is making some strides there, which is some good um, which is some good news. So just wanted to add that to the analysis on Kepler, not that you probably didn't, hadn't already heard more about Max Kepler than you had ever hoped to. So we will jump into somebody uh, equally, or if not more interesting, and that is Pavetta. So looking at Pavetta, he is a guy that I'm just really struggling with because his skills paint an awesome picture. Over the year, he's got an 11.8% swinging strike rate, which is uh, over 1% above league average. He's got a league average O swing at 30.7%. It's actually higher recently. His first pitch strike percentage is above league average at 63.6%, and he's thrown about 48% of his pitches in the zone. So he's got above average strikeout stuff. He's got above average control, and you can see that in a really strong 19.9% K minus walk rate, which is great. League average is 13.7% there. Some of those skills are actually um, improved recently, 
But the challenge with him that I have is, um, is his pitch mix. He is a guy that I have really, I actually traded for him recently in a dynasty league because I'm really expecting improvement. And I was expecting improvement in the second half. He would be a guy that I'd really be targeting. I also traded for him in, in another trading league that I'm in. And the challenge is the pitch mix, right? Something that we don't necessarily, we don't have any control over. He's been throwing his four-seam fastball more recently, and there's been horrible results. So he's been throwing at about 60% recently. Now, he's got an elite slider and curve. They're both well above average pitches. His slider has a 20 WRC+. You know, 100 being league average, right? So batters have a 20 WRC plus against it. A 185 WOBA against, which is terrific. 17.1% swinging strike rate and a 35.8% O swing, right? So that is an awesome pitch. He's got a curve that has a, that where batters are hitting, have a 65 WRC plus against it, a 253 WOBA against. Again, very stellar. 320 is about league average. 55 point, uh, 15.5% swinging strike rate and an awesome 42% O swing on that pitch. So two great pitches, right? So you'd think two awesome pitches, let me throw these pitches more. Well, instead of doing that, he's actually um, been throwing those pitches, uh, the slider especially, a lot less, which is, which is his best pitch by the metrics, right? And he's been throwing this fastball, which has a 154 WRC plus against right for hitters and a 399 woba against and this is the kicker and i think this is what really tipped me off to it is it's got a 362 career babip against right so when batters put this put his fastball in play the outcomes are great right they get a really good hit and at this point with the number of pitches that he's thrown and balls in play right you start to think this is this is a trend and that's something that we see as his fastball percentage has increased his BABIP has also increased dramatically over that time, which has really destroyed his whip, which was one of the things that he was really dominating on earlier in the season because he was giving up a, you know, he's never going to be a, a great BABIP guy, but he had a, around a league average, slightly above league average BABIP, but he wasn't walking any guys because um, of that. Uh, those pitches have such strong O swing percentages, and he's throwing pitches in the zone, getting ahead of batters. Now, the key for me in looking at Pavetta is that we want him throwing under 50% of his pitches being that four-seam fastball. He's only done that four, in four starts this year, unfortunately, throwing that, that four-seamer under 50% of the time. But the results have been awesome. Uh, 26 innings pitched, five earned runs, 15 hits, four walks, 32 Ks, which is good for a 173 ERA and a .73 whip during those starts when he's thrown 50% or less four-seam fastballs. Anybody listening to the podcast knows the Phillies or anybody on the Phillies, please get this information to them. You know, obviously they have this information, um, you know, but, uh, and it's more complex than that, I'm sure, right? Pitch mix has a lot of different um there's a lot of different ways that that can impact, right? Um, the way that you're playing pitches off of one another, you know, whether maybe he's struggling with the slider right now, whatever it is. But, you know, the facts are that when he is throwing that four-seam fastball under 50% of the time, and more importantly, you know, right, throwing his worst pitch less and throwing his, his better pitches more, the results have been great. And in today's start, 
I got a lot of hope out of that start because he he did that. He threw under 50% um, of his pitches uh, were forcing fastballs, and the results today were solid. Of course, on one of those forcing fastballs, he did give up a two-run homer, which is a little disappointing, but overall it was a it was a solid outing, and what I love to see is that whip of his. Because if he can just give up league average or slightly above league average um, BABIP, you know, he's going to have a decent whip because he does do a good job of limiting walks. So the challenge is, will he continue to throw um, 50% or fewer fast, forcing fastballs? You know, that for me is really the question about whether he's a guy you want in the second half or not. So monitor his next two starts, next one or two starts closely. If you see a trend here, I'd be prepared to pounce, right? Um, and look to him to really rebound and have a really strong uh, second half of the season. He has everything there to make it work, and it's just a matter of getting that pitch mix right um, so that he can, he can really thrive. So hopefully today's start was a, start of, uh, was a sign of things to come for Nick Pavetta, Everything is there for him to be a top-notch pitcher. pitcher. Hopefully, you know, this pitch mix uh, will sort itself out. He'll start throwing his best pitches more, his worst pitch less, uh, and we'll start to see better outcomes for him. Next up, we are going to uh, get into one of my favorite tools for fantasy baseball research, which is the rolling average graphs at Fangraphs. Next up, I am going to cover easily one of the greatest inventions in fantasy sports history, which is the rolling average graphs function at Fangraphs. Um, I'm only going to cover the hitters. I'll cover the pitchers um, in a future episode just because as you, if you've been listening to the podcast, you know I'm fairly long-winded, and so I don't want to make this like an hour-long podcast. I'd, I'd like to keep it uh, within reason. So I'm just going to focus on the hitters now. Now, the rolling average functions uh, or, or tool, rolling function tool, uh, rolling average uh, graphs tool at Fangraphs is amazing because it allows you to to get a glimpse of players skills within and across seasons Um, and so you can look at both the short-term trends of player performance both outcomes and skills and you can also look at the longer term trends of outcomes and skills for them uh, which is really exciting and so especially in today's fantasy game where you need to be able to identify changes in approach and skills quickly, um, and that you, and you need to be prepared to act on them with some sort of informed decision. There are very few tools that will help you more um, in that exercise than the rolling average graphs function at Fangraphs. What I'll often do, similar to the XWOBA leaderboards and the Barrel leaderboards and some of the other tools that um, I have shared with you and, and will share with you, a lot of those I use to identify players who may jump out, right? You know, 95% of them are probably owned or um, not available in, in fantasy leagues. Um, but for those 5% of guys who aren't, you know, I use those to identify them. And then I really do a deep dive into the skills using the rolling uh, average graphs function in addition to the fan graphs um, player page. 
So um, to get us started, um, the first thing to do is you just go to a Fangraphs player page. So go to Fangraphs.com, type in a player's page. I'm going to use the example of uh, Rugnid Odor, who is somebody who I got a question about earlier today. And he is somebody who's actually, me and Rugnid Odor have a long history of, um, of uh, well, me not liking, um, uh, not liking him as a fantasy baseball player. Um, which has actually uh, worked out really well for me. Um, but um, his skills are actually improving. He's a guy that the rolling average graphs will um, show and uh, recent skills will show is actually improving, particularly in his O-swing percentage, which is great for him because he's normally one of the worst in the league at it. But this isn't about Rugnet or Dor. Uh, this is about the Fangraphs um, rolling average graph. So go to the Fangraphs player page. Uh, the default is for it to put you on the season stats um, page. Directly to the right of that, you will see the graphs tab. So click on the graphs tab there. And then once you get into it, um, the first thing you want to do is choose your time frame. Uh, it gives you the options of by year, by age, by day, or by game. Um, I always use the by game function. You can use by year and look at that um, by year, but um, I don't find a lot of utility in it because it gives you a single point on the graph for each year where I'd much rather do something like 162 game rolling average or an 150 game rolling average where it's actually going to give me the... Um, uh, the trends of that player's skills, right? Where are the peaks? Where are the valleys? What are the overarching long-term trends that that player is seeing instead of using kind of random endpoints of seasons as the only um, point on the graph for, for that season? Um, and so that's that would be one suggestion. You can always use it. You can use um, uh, by by day, I don't see much utility in that, or by age, um, but really I, I 100% of the time use the by game um, functionality there. If there are reasons why you use different ones, please do um, you know, either share that with me um, uh, by Twitter or um, you know, whatnot, because I'd love to hear what those utilities are, right? I'm just sharing how I use these, and, and that's not you know, by any stretch of the imagination the only way um, to use these tools effectively. So I go by game, and I oftentimes just, you know, not for any particular reason, but I often use increments of 20 games to look at player skills. So I'll look at 20 game rolling averages, I'll look at 40 game rolling averages, 80 game rolling averages, especially at different points in the season, right? Like during the season when we have very small samples, you know, you may look at 20 games as you get a little bit more data within the season, you may look at 40 game. 20 games, and these can also be really helpful because they, um, they can help you with uh, in, uh, between seasons, like um, they can show you where a player's skills are. So like a really good example of that would be Matt Davidson earlier in the year. You know, he hit those three home runs in the first game of the season and you're like, oh, that's interesting. Let's check that out. Well, if you look at the end of last season and the beginning of this season, his O swing percentage was way down. So he had much improved his play, to, play discipline, something you might not have realized unless you had actually used a, a rolling graph chart and not looked at the 
the full season stats. That's really the utility of, of this, um, uh, of the rolling graphs functionality. So once you've selected your, um, the games, um, you know, or the time frame that you're going to look at, the next thing that you're going to want to do, um, is you're going to want to decide, uh, you know, and I'm just looking at hitters right now, what are the stats or the skills that you want to look at? And so, you know, for me, my kind of go-tos when I look at them, um, you know, first and foremost, I generally look at skills versus outcomes, right? So I generally don't use, for instance, K percentage or um, walk percentage in the rolling graphs. Um, there's very good reasons to do it. I mean, I sometimes use them, but you know what I often go to is O swing percentage. If I'm trying to get a gauge on like how on how good a player's plate discipline is, um, especially over small sample size, I want to look at the O swing percentage because that tells me how frequently they're swinging at pitches outside the zone, right? And it's correlated strongly, very strongly with um, with walk percentage. You know, but uh, and short sample sizes, you know, guys can be taking a lot of pitches outside the zone, not swinging at them. But over small sample sizes, things like walk percentages, um, you know, can fluctuate. There's a lot. There can be a lot of variance in them. Whereas with the skill, with the pitch by pitch look at plate discipline, um, you're going to get a better sense quicker. I also look at um, Z contact is one of my go-to's. So that's in zone contact, and that really tells you when they swing at pitches inside the zone, when they swing at quote unquote good pitches, generally speaking, um, are they making contact? I also look at hard hit rate to get a sense of quality of contact. So when they're swinging at pitches and making contact, is that contact good? Are they hitting the ball hard? And then I also look at fly ball and ground ball percentages. You know, I'll look at both, but you know, fly ball percentage, are they hitting the ball in the air? Um, you know, fly balls generally lead to more power. So are they hitting, hitting balls in the air at general buckets of batted balls that will go for extra base hits or for home runs? Um, ground ball percentage is actually a super helpful way to look at it just inversely to say, okay, what percentage of time are they hitting the ball on the ground? I actually think that's a better one to go to because then you can look at both line drives and fly balls um, you know, line drives obviously being a great uh, form of batted ball. So those are kind of my four go-tos. O swing for um, plate discipline, Z contact for contact, uh, hard hit for quality of contact, and then, you know, quality of contact and batted ball profile looking at that ground ball percentage um, or that uh, fly ball percentage. You have a, an array of options to look at though. I mean, it's awesome what you're able to look at. You can look at you know, batting average, you can look at home runs, you can look at WRC plus, uh, WOBA is kind of the default look that it'll give you, walk percentage, K percentage, uh, pull percentage, soft hit percentage, infield fly ball percentage, you know, the list goes on and on. And one thing that's great too, you can also look at pitch type. So, um, you know, I'll get to that in a second, but you know, that can kind of see, show you how pitchers are um, pitching to a batter. You know, one thing of note to um, to look at is that in the plate discipline metrics, you'll see two sets of um, plate discipline metrics. There's the O swing percentage, for instance, and then you'll see O swing percentage 
um, PFX. So that's an interesting one. So O swing percentage is actual outcome in a game, right? Whereas O swing percentage uh, using pitch FX, instead of, so if a ball, if a pitcher throws the ball in the strike zone, a batter takes it and the umpire calls it a ball, you know, if you look at just O swing percentage, that will say, oh, the hitter did a great job at not swinging at a, uh, at a ball. Pitch FX will actually look at that pitch and say, hey, that pitch was actually in the zone and the batter took the ball, took it. Um, and so, um, you know, that would not count as, a, as an O swing in that instance. I actually tend to use the former, just the regular O swing percentage. I've, I've often struggled with this because, um, you know, there's, there is, often isn't huge breaks, differences in them, but there are some players that will consistently show you know, like um, uh, different strike zones. So they'll have they'll have a consistent gap between their O swing um, versus uh, pitch FX versus you know the regular O swing. Um, you know, so you know use either one. Um, I've seen people use the pitch FX. Um, I use just the regular O swing um, and contact. So uh, make a choice. You know, it's up to you. Make an informed decision. I don't think it'll have a huge bearing you know, on looking at um, uh, the different skills and how they change. So, um, you know, one thing with the batted ball profile, I do look at five ball and ground ball percentage. I don't look as line drive percentage as much only because it has, it definitely is the least sticky of um, the batted ball, the three batted ball types that you get, and it has the most variance. And so I would just... um, Stick to ground ball, fly ball percentage. If you're looking at full batted ball profile, definitely look at line drive percentage. You know, like it was helpful with us with Max Kepler at looking at, you know, oh, he's hitting fewer fly balls, but he's hitting more line drive. So that's, you know, a good thing maybe for, for launch angle issues. So that, um, you know, that, that kind of gives you a sense of what you can look at. So you can look at all these skills, um, which is great. You know, some other things that might be valuable, for instance, is Z-swing. So what percentage of pitches is a batter swinging at that are inside the zone, just to see whether they're being aggressive on pitches in the zone, um, not aggressive on pitches in the zone, not necessarily in something inherently good or bad, but um, something that will tell you about the player's um, approach at the plate. Another thing you may want to look at is, um, you know, uh, BABIP, for instance. Like, I recently used that in an analysis of George Springer, um, because I was um, looking at the skills and he had been in this her- her- terrible, terrible um, uh, slump. When I looked at the skills, they were pretty similar, right? There, had been, there, was, some, you know, there was some kind of decline in the skills, but nothing out of the ordinary from what we normally see in terms of you know, kind of variance in the skills within the season. But then when you looked at the BABIP, he had you know, the worst BABIP uh, over a 20-game stretch of his career. And so that's something where I looked at that and I said, huh, you know, that's a that's bad BABIP. That doesn't necessarily mean that he didn't earn that BABIP. But what I was able to do is to look at his expected BABIP over that same time period on Baseball Savant to see that there was a pretty decent gap there, right? Where his, his BABIP should have been low, but not, you know, uh, really, really low. I think it was something like 0.044 um, over that period of time. And so... Those are kind of some of the ways that you can use these different tools that were that I'm talking about to kind of verify or check information or give more support 
or evidence to, um, you know, to, to something that you're noticing um, in the trends. Another thing that I touched on earlier is you can also look, and I don't do this often, but you can look at the pitch type. So you can look at a pitch type that a batter is facing to see, oh, like recently I saw, for instance, Malik Smith was struggling. And when you look at his at the pitch he was seeing, he started to see a lot more fastballs. And it was pretty clear that he was just being overpowered by fastballs. And pitchers were probably noticing that and realizing that they could really, you know, um, just uh, throw it by him um, uh, using his fastball. So, you know, that's, that's one example, but this is a little tough because obviously each pitcher doesn't have the same repertoire. So you could say, you know, Cody Bellinger is struggling. I'm just making this up. Cody Bellinger is struggling against curveballs. Well, you know, what if he faces, uh, you know, guys who, who, who throw sliders, you know, and change-ups instead of curves and change-ups for five consecutive games, right? That's going to have an impact on that. So that's why it's really hard to use pitch type to actually notice differences. But if you can notice a significant difference, it can definitely tell you something. Um, one thing, too, is if you notice something in the short term, you know, you can also extend that time frame to see if it's something for the long term. So, for instance, with Rugnet Ordor, I mentioned that his O swing percentage was improving dramatically recently. So over the last 10 games, it's at 29.7%, which is, um, you know, about league average, but for Rugnit or Dor is like amazing because, you know, his highest 20 game stretch was at about 45% earlier this season. So among the league worst. So I say, oh, okay. So his O swing percentage is improving. All right, brief pause there. I'm not sure if it showed up on the audio, but as I've mentioned on previous podcasts, I often talk like I'm trying not to wake up my children while I woke up one of my children. So um, had to go uh, put him back to sleep. But as I was saying, so Rugnet Odor, his O swing percentage is at 25, 29.5% uh, over his last 20 games. Really great for um, Rugnet Odor. Um, but one of the great things is you can look at that 20 game rolling average and, you know, that looks good. 20 game rolling averages, you know, they're, it's a great tool, but it's also, you know, players have a significant impact on that, but so can things like competition level or the pitchers, you know, uh, that, uh, a batter's facing, right? If you're looking at, you know, maybe a 20, a 20 game or a 10 game or a you know, a seven game and somebody faces three sinker ballers in a row, you know, that might result in, you know, more ground balls and, 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 um, you know, make it look like there, there's a change in batted ball profile or something like that. So you look at that 20 game and then you say, okay, that's, you know, that's pretty interesting there. Um, one thing I'd also recommend is, um, don't just look at one stat, uh, or one skill or one thing at a time because the scale of the graphs can really change your perception of how big of a change it is. So on the left or the right, um, uh, depending on how many skills and what type of skills you have, it'll show you, um, you know, the legend on the, on the graph of like, you know, what the, what the percentage is, you know, scale for instance. But if it's, if the scale is between 40 and 60% and they had a 5% bump, that's going to look huge. But if you look at a few skills or stats at a time, it'll, it'll put the changes in a, in a lot better proportion. 
So that's a, that's a little aside, but getting back to Rugnitador. So let's look at, okay, now if I just go up to the games and I just change that to a 40 game rolling average, let's see what happens to that O swing. Fangraphs is thinking a little bit. Okay, so even over the 40 games, his 40 games, it's down to 33.1%, slightly above league average, but still really good for Odor. And there's a pretty uh, precipitous drop right around June 30th. It was at 41.1%, and it just drops off the cliff there. And it aligns at the same time with an increase in Z contact um, and, a, and a slight uh, steady, you know, holding steady on fly balls. A little bit of a dip in hard hit rate, but still slightly above league average. So that's one thing that sometimes happens, right? When you shift to a more contact approach is you lose the, lose the quality of contact in trying to make contact more often. But, you know, some good signs there over the 40 games. Um, if you look at, you know, let's, let's take a look at the 80 game, for instance, on him, um, just to see, you know, okay, over the course of a half a season of games, you know, what, um, what, does, it, what does it look like um, for his O swing? And again, the trend lines are good. You know, the trend lines are good. So 34.3% over his last 80 games. So, and that Z contact moving up, hard hit rate is actually moving up to 40. It's at 40%, trending slightly upward over that period of time. So you can see maybe there's been a shift in Odor's skills here um, over the last little bit. You know, it's, it's um, you know, it's, uh, it's happening a little bit more rapidly recently. Um, you know, whether that's just uh, small sample size variance or whatnot, you know, the longer term trends are good. And so Ordor is somebody that I might be looking at, you know, and say, hey, you know, we see some improvements happening here. He's got a nice fly ball percentage. That hard, hard hit percentage is decent. His approach at the plate is improving, resulting in more contact. And that quality of contact is, is staying true. So he might be a guy that you want to target uh, in the second half if, if folks haven't noticed that, uh, that these skills are starting to um, uh, increase. So anyways, so, you know, play around with the tool. It's, um, you know, I may just be a, a total loser, but I find it uh, to be a lot of fun when you see, you know, a dramatic increase or you start to see these trends and, or when you watch a player all the time and you go to the rolling gra uh, graphs and, uh, the skills really support what you're seeing, or if you still see a change in the skills, um, you know, that can really be a, a huge difference maker. And a lot of times the skill changes will happen and then they'll click for a guy. And if you can identify those skill changes or those skill improvements, you know, before that the performance increases, that's when you can make, you know, trades or free agent pickups that are going to have a huge impact. You know, a good example of this, you know, again, Max Muncie, um, you know, he, you know, back on um, May 20th, I think it was, um, uh, he was showing up on some of the Barrel and Xwoba leaderboards, and I took a look at the skills, and the skills really supported, um, you know, a great plate discipline, hard hit rate, fly ball percentage, everything that you're looking for. And so that's just one example that worked out, right? There's plenty you know, we're talking about players are human beings. And so, um, you know, there's, uh, you know, and we don't control what exactly is going to happen. Right. And so sometimes you're going to be right with like you are with Mac uh, Muncie. There's been plenty of times when, you know, 
Uh, like Michael Walker is a good example. Like early on in the season, I looked at his swinging strike rate and I was like, oh man, he's terrible. I'm dropping him in my 12-team league. Well, you know, guess what? Uh, up until his last couple starts, that that didn't uh, didn't look too hot. And there are some instances where, you know, you'll look at short-term skills and you'll say, you want to know something? I want to bet on this and that bet won't work out. Um, but that's the way, you know, that's the way that it is. But I think by using skills and by using the rolling average graphs, right? By looking at the component parts that make up the outcomes and by doing this type of research, it's going to give you more and valuable information about player performance that will inform your decisions. And as a fantasy owner, that's really the most important thing for you to do is to make informed decisions. Use the data that's available to us. Use the tools that are available to us to make the best decision that you can. It's not always going to work out, but it will more often than not, or it will more often than if you weren't using those tools and that data um, in making those decisions. So that was a long review, but rolling average graphs are a really great tool. Get on fan graphs, use them all that you can, play around with them. If you have any questions about how to use them, if you use them for different purposes or um, whatever, please share those with me. I'm super interested in continuing to learn about how to use the tool, um, uh, how to maximize the tool and the effectiveness of the tool, and would love to share that with folks um, moving forward. So I hope this was helpful. Um, and yeah, thanks so much for, um, for listening to that. Well, that will wrap us up for episode eight, the longest episode to date of the Bat Flip Crazy podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I, it was a lot of fun covering Max Kepler, Nick Pavetta, and especially getting into that rolling average graphs tool on fan graphs. Uh, really hope that uh, that tool will be helpful for you. If you have any questions, if you have any thoughts, if you have any ideas, um, uh, things that I could learn by, um, you know, that you use for the rolling graphs tool, definitely hit me up on um, Twitter. I can be reached there at batflipcrazy. You can also see the blog at batflipcrazy.com. If you enjoyed this episode, if you enjoy the show, um, head over to iTunes or your other podcast platform. Give us a five-star rating. Write us a nice review. We'd greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much uh, for listening. Best of luck with all of your fantasy baseball endeavors. And have a great weekend.